Thanks so much for joining us. My name's Jay. Stuart's up here. Kayla's with us today. We want to begin the way we've been beginning with a song of prayer. This first song comes directly out of scripture. Matthew chapter 6 verses 9 through 13 is where you'll find the Lord's prayer. Many of you know the first couple of lines, right? Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Verse 10 is where this song comes from. It says, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And so we want to begin by submitting to God and praying that prayer. We invite you to join us in that prayer. Sing to the King. 
for joining us. If this is your first time, we would love to know that you're with us. You can go to newcity.us backslash connect. And as always, you can email us at pastor at newcity.us. Yeah, well, even in the midst of kind of these crazy times, I've gotten the pleasure, as many of you have, to hear some really encouraging stories that have been happening in our culture and our society. And I wanted to share one today with you that I hope will be an encouragement to you. Well, this was uh, something that was sent to us a couple weeks ago. And it said, as many of you may not know, we are a family of seven, five kids under the age of 17, along with my wife and I. We've been attending New City since it started, and we attend the Idlewild campus where we help with setup. Through that setting up, we were able to meet another family, and shortly thereafter, we started a couples group and were fortunate enough to have one group meeting before the shelter in place took effect. Some of you remember over Easter weekend, there was a big storm, and goes on, it says, last Easter Sunday, we went and loaded up at the grocery store for our family. That's about $300 worth of food that we hope and pray gets us to the weekend. Then Sunday night and early Monday morning, the storm came through and we lost power at 4.30. Of course, we were worried about losing all of our food. The season we are in has made already a tough financial situation even worse. We could not afford to lose all that food. So, I sent out a prayer request to my men's group asking for prayers and suggestions of how I could save some of that food. One of the men immediately responded, I got you. I have a generator and we have power. And so within an hour, he and his son loaded up the generator full with a tank of gas and all the cords I needed to keep our two refrigerators running and delivered it to our house. He quickly set it up and just like that, our food was saved. It may not seem like a lot, but in our situation, it was a prayer answered. We are extremely thankful for this family and to be a part of such a wonderful church. We love hearing stories like this, and it just really speaks to the power of community and being connected with one another. We'd love to help you with that. If you'd like to be a part of a group here at New City, you can also email us at pastor at New City as well. We'd love to be able to get you connected in that way. We really think it's just an awesome time. If you have stories like this, we'd love to hear them. We'd love to share them because we believe it's just a huge encouragement for our church. Yeah, absolutely. We love hearing stories like that. And uh, we know this is a time of stress and uncertainty for folks. And so we have taken some time to compile some resources for you, um, emotional support, as well as some financial relief information. And so early this week, you'll see an email about that. We'd love you to check that out um, and hope that that is a help and encouragement to you as well. Well, hey, as we move into our time of giving, I just want to continue thanking you on behalf of all of New City here. We are thankful for your continued generosity. Uh, we recognize the season we're in. We recognize that many of you have been impacted financially. That is not lost on us. And we want to continue being good stewards of the resources God gives us through you. So thank you, New City, for your continued giving. If you are feeling led, if you are able to give, we want to encourage you to continue doing so at New City 
give where you can set up a one-time payment or recurring wherever you feel the Lord leading you in that. With that being said, thanks. Good to see all of you again. Will you join me now in prayer as we move into this time of giving? Jesus, we are most of all thankful for you and, and the ultimate price that you paid for us on the cross. And we're thankful that even in the midst of these times, Lord, that you're able to continue working. Thank you for stories. Thank you for uh, how you use people to impact others' lives and, and just hearing the one that we just heard, Lord, thank you for that. Lord, thank you for the many things that you give us and may we just out of, out of a spirit of generosity continue to love others and give. Thank you for this time this morning. We love you and we thank you. Amen.
Thanks again for joining us today at New City Online. We're grateful to have each and every one of you from wherever you're joining us today. It's awesome to be together. We've been in a series entitled, Why Trust the Bible? And we've been talking about reasons to consider trusting the Bible or to continue trusting the Bible. And we're gonna finish that series today. And we're really grateful to have Dr. Tim Laniak with us today to, to finish off the series. Tim is a graduate of Wheaton College, of Gordon-Conwell Seminary, and of Harvard University. He was my Hebrew professor. He may not wanna put that on his resume, uh, but I've benefited greatly from his teaching. And I think you're really gonna be blessed by him today as he finishes our series. So I want to encourage you to, to lean into the teaching today and wherever you might be gathered today at New City Church, would you join me in giving a warm welcome to Dr. Tim Laniak. Thank you, Chris. It's really great to be a part of a church that uh, I'm sort of tag teaming today with the pastor who I've watched over the last couple of decades grow in his pastoral ministry and identity, his calling in a couple of other churches and now here in this unusual merged church and just fascinated to watch that ministry unfold. It's an unusual time for us to be together during COVID-19. Obviously, we'll always look back and remember this time period when people were um, not in churches physically, but they were gathering like we are today, virtually. I hope when you look back on this time, um, along with uh, all of the levity around uh, gaining weight and going crazy with the kids at home and all that, and all the sober and profound realities that go with people that are losing their jobs and in some cases losing their health and even their lives, that you look back on this time and it will be a time when you chose to binge on the Bible. That rather than binging on Netflix or social media, would be one of the most memorable and life-shaping choices that you could make at this time. You may also be uh, choosing to watch some, some video documentaries that might be on the Bible or biblical history or archeology, span and that might help, but especially in the wake of today's message, maybe you'll have more to think about in terms of how the Bible can be trusted. I've been watching this series uh, with you online, and I'm looking forward to bringing it to a close in terms of the Bible's history, and now it's archaeology. And I'd like to talk first about the Bible. We'll talk about biblical revelation, but first let's talk about what the Bible is. The Bible is a form of revelation, and, and actually God has chosen to reveal himself in three separate but interrelated ways. He has revealed himself through creation, He's revealed himself through scripture, and he's revealed himself through Christ. And this is important for us because all of these provide evidence about who God is and that he is. You could say evidence that God exists and what kind of a God he is. But as we get ready to talk about the Bible and archaeology, I, wanna, uh, I, I want you to think about the fact that the Bible or scripture is a form of revelation that helps us makes sense of creation and makes sense of Christ. In other words, it provides information and interpretation for the creation, the nature, the nature of the world around us, and it also provides uh, an interpretive grid for making sense of who Christ was. Obviously, there are people who have inhabited this world and have not found in it enough evidence uh, to, to, to make a compelling case for the God of the Bible. But with the Bible, Nature then speaks more clearly. And in the same way, Jesus was on earth for 33 years, three years of public ministry, and yet somehow, by the end of Easter week, as we look back, by the end of that week, even though there were crowds cheering for him and calling him the son of David, 
giving him a royal acclamation. At the end, nobody seemed to recognize who Jesus was. So the Bible points us to the God who is behind nature and who is making himself known in Christ. Well, that's Revelation or the Bible, and let's just talk briefly about what archaeology is before we plunge into this journey through the Bible looking at archaeology. Archaeology is a discipline that has emerged to help reconstruct the past by looking at two different kinds of evidence. There's material evidence. Sometimes archaeologists will then call it material culture. Those are the things that don't have words written on them. And then written evidence. So you think about anything that has a word on it, it automatically becomes written evidence. And this is usually uh, kind of a prize because when you're reconstructing history, when you're reconstructing a historical period or even a historical moment, anything in writing is just gold. But in fact, most of what's been found under the ground does not have writing on it. And so we have everything from uh, walls and weapons and pottery and jewelry and water systems and everything you can imagine that's been found. And in fact, in the land of Israel, there, is just, uh, there are just thousands and thousands and thousands of artifacts that help shape our understanding of the past, including major moments uh, in the Bible. Now, if archaeology is primarily trying to help reconstruct the past, so that we understand what was really going on, it is always tentative. This is the nature of the discipline, because as many items as we have, not only in museums, but in storage, huge uh, warehouses of archaeological objects, as many objects as we have, it is a modest, modest fraction of everything that might be found under the ground, or even more sobering, everything that will never be found because it was destroyed. So archaeology is an incremental discipline that keeps giving more evidence for people to look at as they look at the past. Now, there are two outcomes of archaeology that are of interest to us, especially as Bible believers or people that are paying attention to the Bible. And we understand that the Bible's message is filled with names and dates and places, almost begging to be understood archaeologically. The first outcome or takeaway from archaeology is to understand the context of the Bible. Historical context, economic, legal, social, political context, the institutions and the ideas of the ancient world that really were quite important to people who were writing the Bible and also hearing the Bible read. That's context. Now, many people are also interested in how to prove the Bible what you might call verifying it or corroborating it. And the history of the archeological uh, research in the lands of the Bible has often been contentious because for many people, it is a place where apologetics enters. That is the dispute or the argumentation for those things in the Bible uh, with historical and archeological evidence. And that debate sometimes um, doesn't take into account how tentative some of the archeological evidence is but I want to encourage us today with some of the archaeological finds that in fact provide not only context, but they also corroborate our faith. So I'm going to start where the Bible starts, and we're going to take a journey right through the Bible into the Gospels and even touch on Acts uh, in this brief uh, little journey today, because I'd like you to get an overview of the Bible's storyline while we look at archaeological objects that inform it. Now, I'm going to start with something that you may not have heard of, a myth called the Enuma Elish.
this comes from ancient Mesopotamia, and the Enuma Elish is actually a common uh, set of um, elements that are in other myths from Mesopotamia. And in this one, you'll see the god Marduk here, who is on top of this serpentine goddess Tiamat. So these are names that are not part of your everyday vocabulary, but Marduk was the kind of the ruler of the pantheon of ancient Mesopotamia, partly because he defeated um, Tiamat and all the other gods worshipped him as a result of that conquest. And what he does is he splits Tiamat's body into two parts, and out of them he creates the world or the cosmos as we know it, the firmaments and the land. Uh, and so this world is something that is the product of a war between gods. Now, why would I start with this myth when the Bible starts out with the creation account? Because it's context. Genesis 1 would have been understood by those who heard it first and those who heard it for the subsequent generations as a challenge to the widespread notion that there were many gods and that those many gods were at war with each other and that there was one supreme god among them who had created this world out of all that chaos. And so you can see the, the simplicity of the sublime kind of biblical account of God speaking the world uh, out of his mind in words, creating order day after day, and everything in the world was created.